Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. Uh, I'm excited about the message today. I wasn't excited about the message today. So Pastor Scott had kind of said, hey, could you come in and give a message on giving? I was like, sure. Um, you know, as, as pastors and teachers, we have kind of our favorite genres and our favorite topics. Um, but as I was praying about it, I started really, one of my favorite things to preach on is the idea of abundance and prosperity because that is my passion is coming alongside people and watching them go into that next level of whatever it is they're called to be, whether they're in homeless homelessness. So I am the founder of a ministry where we house anywhere between 50 to 65 residents at any particular time. I've written an entire program that's up to three years long that comes alongside them and helps them move in to their purpose, their design, who they're called to be. How many of you know we're not designed to walk in poverty? We, we serve a prosperous God. We're designed to walk in abundance. We're designed to walk in prosperity. And when I began to realize that a message about giving is really a message about believing God for prosperity in our lives, for abundance in our lives, for productivity, the very first blessing God spoke over Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and was to multiply. We hear the message of our design to prosper, to grow, to be productive, to be fruitful, moreover, to feel productive, to feel fruitful, right? Because most of these things start here and here. And really, that's what I'm doing on a regular basis, whether I'm working with um, a corporation I do a lot of business coaching, whether I'm working with a business owner or whether I'm working with somebody in homelessness. How many of you know there's a next level for you? Everybody say, there's a next level for me. There's a next level. for So no matter what plateau you have hit, God has a more in mind for you. So tomorrow you can expect that God is going to do something more than he did for you today. Why? Because we serve a God who's on the increase. And the Bible says that we are growing from glory unto glory. So that means means tomorrow I can expect I'm going to look like, act like, produce like, more like Jesus than I did today. Okay, so we have to grasp and under the very core of giving is this understanding and this belief that we are designed to walk in the likeness of Christ, and that means we are designed to live an abundant lifestyle. Now, I haven't even started the message yet, and I've been told I only have 20 minutes, was my second panic, uh, because I'm used to doing conferences, and I preach sometimes three, four sessions that are an hour long, Um, so I'm going to try and pay attention to the time here. Uh, My friend Keaton already read to us our key verse today, which is in 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to read it again. It says, but I say this, and this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth. He says this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now we're going to get all of our key points from today's message basically from this passage of scripture. We're going to take an under, we're going to take a look at what are we learning about God from these passages. You understand when we're reading scripture, God is revealing not something necessarily about the way you should live your life. Come on, we've got that. We're kind of putting the cart before the horse. But before before I hear what is God saying about how I should be living my life, I need to be hearing what am I what am I learning about God's character? Right. 
What am I learning about the nature of God, right? When I learn about the glory of God, the person of God, who he is, now I discover my possibility in Christ. Why? Because I'm designed in the image of God. It goes on and it says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I noticed, uh, Keaton, when you gave that call to give, you know, he was like, oh, and the, the ladies are going to do the pajamas. Like, and then he was like, oh, and also you're, 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 we're gonna, we want to invite you to give today. And it was like crickets in the room. <laughs> now, like nobody applauded. Yes, we get the opportunity to give today. Like nobody cheered for that. I think we, we've lost the understanding of the blessing that we have been given to be a part of investing in the kingdom of God. So it goes on, it says, and God is able, everybody say God is able. He is able to make grace abound. Everybody say abound. That's a big word. We don't use that. We don't use that word in our common language, Byron. May the love of God abound in your life. May you abound in love for your wife. May the fruits of your table abound today. We don't, that's, a, that's not a natural word, right? God uses that word. I think we need to get more adept at using words that God used, like abound. May his grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance. May his grace abound that you would have abundance. So in every passage, for abundance for every good work. So in every passage, we're learning about principles based on the nature and the attributes of God. So out of this, I want us to talk about principle one, and that is this. When God invites us to build something, he always provides the resources. All right, so when Pastor Scott and Pastor Leah shared with me over a year ago that they felt invited by God to build a church, immediately you begin to look around for the provision or the resource. But what we know is that God is not a liar. He does not tease us. If he invites you to build, he's going to provide. I love the book of Ezra and Nehemiah because we learn so much. As an apostle, I love that because we learn how to build. We learn how to build business. We learn how to build for God. In Ezra, we're building a temple. In Nehemiah, we're, we're building a wall. The temple is of God. The wall was technically secular. But you see in both instances that when there was an invitation to build, there was a provision for the building. In Ezra chapter 1, a pagan king says this, who is among you, all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is, and mind you, this is a pagan king making these declarations, have an understanding of who God was. I would like to propose to you that often people of the world have an understanding of God's nature more than the church does. They believe God for provision more than the church does. It goes on, it says, And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the free will offering. So this is saying on top of the offering, there's an abundance that will be given to you that you will have the ability to do what God has asked you to do. In verse 6, it goes on, it says, And all those who were, who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold and goods and livestock and with precious things besides all that was willingly, willingly offered. On top of what was willingly offered, they were encouraged with silver and gold. Now, I would like to share with you in the Hebrew, the word encouraged there means to strengthen the hands. 
It means to make stout. And the idea of being given, look, when, when Pastor Scott and Pastor Leah get a really great offering, there's an encouragement. Why? Because their arms are strengthened to do more of the work of God. Not because they want to go out and buy a new car. Not, nothing wrong with a new car. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But, <laughs> y'all, I love cars. Anyways, uh, that's, that's for a story for another day. But it, it encourages, it's a strengthening of the hands so that they can continue to build for the kingdom. Without a strengthening, without an encouraging, a practical resource, there is an inability to move forward in what God has called you. How many of you feel like God has called you to do something, but you're waiting on the resource? That's a difficult place to be, okay? So we're going to go back to that principle in a moment. Let's go to principle two, and that is this. God provides more than enough. Everywhere throughout Scripture, when God provides something, there's always more than enough. Remember the feeding of the multitude? There wasn't just enough. There was basketfuls left over. I love the story of when he, he invites Luke to launch out into the depths of the sea. He says, cast your net into the depths, which is just a crazy story, right? We have a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish. And he's tired and he's, he's, he's fatigued and he's been failing all night. And Jesus gives him a word and says, I want you to launch out. And not only did he fill his nets, remember what the story says? There was so much fish that the net began to break and he began chunking the fish into the boats around him. Why? Because we're learning a principle about God. And the principle is that God is a God of abundance. He's a God of overflow. In Psalm 23, it says, he anoints my head and my cup, what? It runneth over. Why? Because he's a God of abundance. He's a God of overflow. So what we learn from this is God is a, a, a God of abundance, and he gives liberally. I love in Exodus, it says this, so all the skilled workers who were doing the work of the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for the doing of the Lord that the Lord has commanded us to do. And then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or no woman is to make anything else for an offering at the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because they had already had more than enough to do the work. I wish I was in that scenario. But we're learning kingdom principles here. This is how it should be. There should come a place where it's like, look, guys, we've already like way max. We're overflow. We've got an abundance of giving this month. We've got $10,000 of excess. We want to come together and pray. What does God want us to do with this $10,000? But instead, and I, I can attest to this, as ministers often we're like, Lord, please, we need $10,000 more to stay open for another month. Something is broken in the kingdom. Because that is not what God says. Nowhere in scripture do we see God working that way. We don't just see God provide just enough. You understand that the entire Old Testament is God trying to move his people from the land of lack to the land of just enough to the land of more than enough, plenty, abundance. So principle two is that we learn that God is a God of abundance. Principle three, giving should be a deliberate decision. It is an intentional decision. Why do we know this? Number one, it says to give as you purpose in your heart. Many versions there will say give deliberately. Be intentional. But more than that, we know this because God himself is deliberate. He is very intentional. In Jeremiah chapter one, he says, before I formed you, I knew you. 
For all the days I have ordained for you are written in a book. There's an intentionality that God has for you. He is very deliberate in every dollar he puts in your wallet. Come on. And I I challenge you today to ask yourself, am I deliberate with every dollar that goes out of my wallet? You understand that every dollar you're given is a soldier for God's army, period. You may think it is yours, it is not. But every dollar God has given to you is very deliberate. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Ephesians 1, he says, I chose you before the foundations of the earth. You and I are not an accident, but rather God has been very deliberate in our design, in our creation, in the time and the space in which we came forth and in the plans in which he has placed within our hearts. And he has given to us deliberately, most specifically in the form of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit within us. See, God didn't just invite us to live an abundant life, but he's empowered us deliberately through the presence of the Holy Spirit. God is a deliberate God, and we learn from this that we should learn how to give and spend deliberately, not flippantly. We must be intentional with our monies. Principle number four, giving is not a matter of law. It's a matter of spirit. Now, (laughs) I should have probably checked with you to make sure we're on the same theological path here, or maybe you. (laughs) I think we are. (laughs) God is freedom. There, you also understand in the New Testament, it never says anything about a 10% tithe. That's the law. But most of us limit ourselves because we're giving according to law and not according to spirit. I would like to propose to you, if you're only giving 10% because of the law, you're probably cutting God short in your life. And because you're giving sparingly, you're reaping sparingly. I'm just quoting to you what scripture says. If you feel a sting in that, that's the Holy Spirit. Don't give me credit for what he's doing in your heart. <laughs> All right, so tithing is not a financial issue. That's how I get away with out the door without getting tarred and feathered. <laughs> Tith- Pastors always invite me in to do the hard messages. Pastor Phil called me the other day. He's like, I got a difficult thing. Can you preach it to my people? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. So tithing is not a financial issue. It is a spiritual issue. There is no scripture whatsoever in the New Testament asking Christians to bring a tithe, except for when Jesus is actually rebuking the Pharisees for honoring their tithe more than honoring their heart. You remember in, uh, I believe it's in Luke, where he says, Woe to you Pharisees! We used to tithe mint and rue of all kinds of manner and herbs, but you pass on justice and love. He's, that's the only time he ever mentions the word, even says the word tithe from my, from my knowledge. So if this is the thing. In the New Testament, giving is less about 10% of your money, and it's more about 100% of your heart. It's about a positioning of the heart. It's not an actual physical thing because you understand, again, we talked about how a dollar is a representation of a soldier in the kingdom. When every dollar moves, soldiers are moved. I cannot do the work that I do without dollars. We have almost a $1 million budget to run 13 buildings, five, six different campuses, house 65 people. How many of you know I need money to run that? And every dollar that's brought in is a soldier in the army that doesn't just provide housing, but it provides a safe, spiritual, loving atmosphere for people to be healed. It's more than just walls. 
So you guys look at this building and you see walls and you see pillars and you see chairs and you see physical things. And while those do cost money, it's not about the money. It's about the heart. It's about what's happening in here. And you either invest or you don't. You either get on board or you don't. But if you are sowing sparingly, I guarantee you're reaping sparingly. I'm going to move on. I do want to share with you, I was listening the other day, actually I was talking to my son and we were talking, he was, he preached on Wednesday and I was preaching today, so a lot of times we like talk out our messages to each other. And he, I was telling him, I was like, he was giving a new message and I was giving a message we were talking about how we have a love-hate relationship with that because it forces you really to study it out, right? And um, he was talking about a story from a pastor who basically said, for one whole month, I'm not passing the plate. And what he discovered was his giving went down $4,000 a week because he didn't pass the plate. And so most pastors were probably like, we got to pass the plate more. We got to pass the plate more. But the pastor basically shared that. And he said, I'm no longer ever passing the plate because I, want, I don't want dutiful money that's given out of compulsion. I want intentional money that's given out of deliberation. That's given cheerfully. I want money that's given out of the spirit, not money that's given out of the law. I don't want the law in my church. That's a tough decision to make. It is the right decision to make. Absolutely. Principle number five, provision is always hand, found in the hands of the people. So when God, somebody comes up to you and says, this is what we need, and you're like, well, I'll be praying about that. Listen, you are it more than you think you are it. Okay? For years, well, not for years, probably for months, when I started Crazy Eat Ministries, we were basically uh, just... Free Biblical Counseling, Discipleship Center, yada, yada. And people were coming to us that needed more than discipleship. They needed, like, practical help. And so we would have a woman that was coming to us, and she was stuck in anxiety and depression. But we also found out she was living in her car with her three children. And so in that, I started going, somebody ought to open a housing ministry. Like, you know, somebody ought to, somebody, man, somebody ought, somebody ought to make a $5,000 donation to Five Stones Church. Man, somebody ought to donate the Christmas tree, right? And what I began to discover is the Lord was like, hello, <laughs> you are it. You are it. And I did not have the provision for that in that day, but what I knew was a principle, and that is provision is found in the hands of his people. See, when Jesus fed the multitude, that provision was distributed through the disciples. Principle we learn that Jesus is like, I have the provision and I can chunk it out this way, but I'm going to teach a new way of living. I'm going to teach that provision comes through the hands of the people. The provision for the building of the temple in Ezra. Remember he said, everybody go and build and those of you who can't build, give them your money. Because everybody's going to play a part. This is a kingdom temple. And if you can't build, then you play a part in the provision of the building. Or sometimes you're both. You understand that you and I are the intersection where heaven and earth collide. Right? So you're the intersection of healing. We'll go to class after class after class. I want to groom my gift of healing and my gift of deliverance. Man, I dare you to do a gift of giving or a class for giving. How many people will show up and say, I want to learn how to give more cheerfully? I want to learn how to give more deliberately. I want, to, I want to sharpen my gift of giving. We're not quite as excited about that. All right, so what keeps us from giving? What is my time? Thank you. 
she just totally overdid. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Leah. <laughs> so let's talk about our barriers. This could be part two, but I'm going to whip through it and make it part one. What keeps us from giving? We don't understand the laws of reaping and sowing. That's a message in and of itself. I can come back another day and, and, uh, and preach it, or you can read my book, Mastering Your Seasons, but I talk about the laws of reaping and sowing. And the law in science, you always reap to, which the, to the same ratio in which you sow. If I sow one seed, I'm going to get one stalk of corn. If I sow 15, I'm going to get 15 stalks of corn. And each one of those stalks produce more seed. So it's a law of reaping and sowing. And part of the issue in giving is we actually call it giving. We don't call it investing. Because giving means I'm just giving and it goes out into the wind. Investing means I'm producing. I'm, I'm cultivating production in my life. I'm, I'm activating multiplication. I'm activating fruitfulness. I want, how many of you want to activate some productivity in your life? Come on, it's the same way. When you minister healing to somebody, you activate healing in them. And therefore then, they, you also cultivate healing in you. The more you practice something, the more you activate that thing. And so giving is not a just, here it is, so long, dollars. It's an investment that we expect is going to cultivate and bring a return, not necessarily in my life, but in the kingdom life. And if the kingdom is producing, then I'm producing, right? We are kingdom. And the same life that is produced in the kingdom should be producing. I love when a pastor calls me. I had a pastor last week, Pastor Gary, he's come to some of these house meetings, and he just got a new building. He's like, oh, my gosh, Pastor Lisa, we had 186 people there. Like, my heart leapt because I love to watch the kingdom grow. Do what it's designed to do. All right, so the Bible says, Now may he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. See, the more you give, the more you're investing in the kingdom and the more you're activating the righteousness of Christ in you, the more you're activating the kingdom in you. All right, so I learned several years ago when I started Crazy 8 Ministries, at some point it, re it occurred to me that I was going to have to do some fundraising, which really pained me, um, and I really still don't do. Uh, but um, I kept asking the Lord, how do, we, how do we raise money? How do we bring money in? And I'm going to tell you, the Lord gave me a vision. When I was a kid, we lived in Illinois, and sometimes it was always hot, and I had the corner bedroom. And so I'd put a fan facing out in one direction. I would shut my door, and it would siphon air into the other one. Anybody ever do that? You guys are in Texas, so you don't have to do windows. You all have AC here. All right, so there's a law that if you're pushing air out, that air gets sucked back in. The Lord gave me that vision, and he said, the problem is you're trying to suck air through a window instead of blowing seed into your community. You're trying to pull seed in instead of sowing seed into your community. And you know what kept me stuck in that place was fear. I felt like, well, gosh, we already don't have enough. I have one-twelfth of not enough, Right? Without the two fish and five loaves, and they broke it into 12 pieces. That's one, I get one twelfth of not enough. And God, you're saying you want me to take my one twelfth of not enough and sow it out into the community. And the Lord said, if you want it to multiply and come back to you, come on, this is a law of reaping and sowing. And so instead of creating a fundraiser, we started that year what, was called, what is called City on a Hill. It's our annual event, it's called our giant friendraiser. 
It's where we create an entire uh, atmosphere where businesses, um, churches, organizations, government entities come on one playing field. It's free. We provide all the funding for it. And it is 200% what has put Crazy 8 Ministries on the map. We had, we had one this year, and it is the second largest annual event of the city of Burleson. Everybody knows about it. Everybody wants to be a part about it, part of it. And guess what happens at the end of that? We have business owners coming to us and saying, what can we do for you? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. We have a golf tournament coming up. We would love for you to put a team in. We would love for you to be a sponsor. Absolutely. We loved that event. It was amazing. See, the law of reaping and sowing taught me that if I want to reap, I have to sow first. I can't succeed into my ministry. And so when I feel like, when I feel like we are lack, I ask the Lord, where should we sow? Because if I want it to come back and I want it to multiply, then I need to sow. All right. Second thing that will keep you is fear. We don't believe God to replenish. We fear not having enough for ourselves. The Bible says that God is able to make grace abound towards you, that you will always have, always having all sufficiency in all things, and that you may have an abundance for every good work. We learn from here that there is more than enough. One of my, I, I always say this, my, my staff make fun of me. They're like, every time you say this, like my favorite verse. Like, they're all my favorites. It's like all my children. This is my favorite kid. In Ezra chapter 7, verse 18, King Artaxerxes, again a pagan king, he says this, whatever seems good to you and your brethren to do with the rest of the silver and the gold. Listen to me. He says, whatever seems good to you and your brethren to do the rest of the silver and gold. So it's an entire decree that he's saying, hey, yes, we want you to continue building. You're right, King Cyrus um, put forth this decree years ago. Uh, take the silver and gold that God has given to you. And whatever you do with the rest of it, See, there's, there's an expectation that a pagan king has that there's more than enough. So again, he has this mindset that there's an abundance of provision. And if you and I had a mindset that there's an abundance of provision coming into our household, it makes it easy for us to give abundantly. And I would like to propose to you that one of the reasons why we don't give is we don't believe God to replenish abundantly. It goes back to what do we believe about God and who he says he is. And finally, number three is our priorities get skewed. I love the book of Haggai where he shows, and again, if you read through Ezra, if you get to chapter four, it's like a parenthesis, go over to Haggai, we'd be reading it through chronologically, Nehemiah's in there also when King Artaxerxes comes in. But in Haggai, he shows up, and this is when the building of the temple had come to a halt. And he says, what in the world are you doing? Is now a time for you to build your own paneled houses while the, kingdom of the, while the temple of the Lord lays in ruins? And then he says this, now consider your ways. What is he saying? You need to be a little bit more deliberate about what you're doing with the goods of God. And then he tells him, go back up to the temple, get, go back into the woods, get the wood, and get your priorities straightened. Stop worrying about your own paneled houses. We've been studying in Ezra, uh, and, and one of my class, I teach a class every Monday morning. We've been studying in Ezra, and we did the whole parentheses thing to go over to Haggai or whatever. And one of the gals, Amy Sanger, said, man, I just feel like the Lord has convicted me and said, what are you doing with God's resources? What are you doing with God's resources? But Haggai says over and over again, consider your ways. In Ephesians 5, it says, let, or in, in, uh, yeah, in Ephesians 5, it says, let each one give as he purposes in his heart. 
And again, there are some, some say to give deliberately. But we should be deliberate with God's provision for us. Again, we want to consider our ways. I, I, this isn't just your time. It's not just your actions. He's talking about your dollars as well. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.